to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my fourth season, I'm speaking with people about the politics of appearance. And in this episode, we will discuss the relationship between social media, hair, and mental health. I'll be having a conversation with Kyra Pinkney, also known as Coileen Kay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> and she's a lifestyle and beauty influencer on social media and a mental health advocate. Her content focuses on curls and mental health. On her platform, she shares beauty tips, educates women on mental health, and speaks and creates events within the mental health community. She loves discussing how women can feel confident in their skin, natural hair, and mentally. She educates women on how they can benefit from various tools. This is done through Instagram, Instagram Live, Instagram TV, public speaking, and interviews. She has now established a community of over 11,000 followers that she loves to connect with. So I'm so excited to have you on Psychotherapy with Dr. Thea. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this (laughs) opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, I know that we were able to connect a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. at your event Mm -hmm. at Bowie Library, Mm -hmm. where basically we talked about hair and mental health. So you know I was excited to be there. But I'm so happy that you've been able to bridge that connection between hair and mental health, Mm -hmm. and especially using social media as a platform. So tell me, how did you think about how curls and mental health go together? Well, you know, a big part of our self-care as African-American women comes with our hair. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say the most of it, but a lot of it does. And we take pride in our hair. And I know that um, just from personal experience and just seeing how I would go to the hairdresser when I was little, and up until you know the age of now, um, a lot of people would talk to their hairstylists about personal and social social issues. And so um, I feel like a part of that comes with your mental health. And then with um, wash day, when you will wash your hair, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it comes with self care. You know, personal um, affirmations, a sense of accomplishment, and you just feel very very good when you're doing those things and I feel like all of that has an effect on your mental health and it helps you to be better and it helps you to you know just really curate that 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 your own little world mm-hmm. of just self-care and just you know just zen so I always <laughs> felt like it all went together you know and I feel like a big part of it is in our community with our self-care and our health mm-hmm. and our mental health yes okay yeah there's definitely a connection um, and so I'm even curious then about your hair journey. Mm-hmm. So I see right now, is this like a taper cut? Yes. Or how would you, yes. So even what, what different styles have you had? Were you always natural or how does that work? So for the most part, I've been, I've been natural more than I've been relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my first relaxer when I was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and then I cut it all off and got, did a big chop and I had that when I was in college, my first year of college. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been natural more than that. And I say that as far as like my hairstyles, I've had um, long hair, um, it's pretty long for me. Um, I've had a taper. I've cut my hair a lot of times. I've had braids. I've had um, so many styles. I mean, if you look on my Instagram, you're, you're going to be like, how many styles does she have? Because there's everyone says there's not, there's not a style that you can't do that I have not done. 
Seriously. Really? Yes, I've I've done it all. I've done it all. See, I need I need to follow if your example because I keep my hair pretty much the same. Really? But it sounds like that's a way that you take like risk and have adventure and try out new things with your curls, like all that, the different styles, all of them. Yes, that's really how I re- that's really how I express myself and when I'm doing those styles, that's how I connect with myself and my self-love. And that's why when we were talking about curls and mental health, you know, all that comes into play. So mm-hmm. that's what I, I really express myself through my hair and love myself through my hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So self-love through hair. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also wondering how you were able to invest so deeply into becoming a mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe your personal journey with mental health? Well, you know, I come from a... a tumultuous childhood Mm. Um, my background was was uh, you know less than stellar you can say Um, the first time I felt like I had depression was in seventh grade Mm. really it could have been before then but as far as like it really being a turning point for me because I had a journal I would write in my journal Mm. and in my journal I would talk about um, me not sleeping me just feeling like I had like a rough day and just not feeling like myself but it really came to a head when I was in about 11th grade and I remember writing in my journal then that, you know, I felt like a ghost. You know, I didn't feel I didn't feel connected to my environment. I felt very detached emotionally. And so basically what was going on was I was experiencing my depression and I was experiencing the dissociation from the abuse that I had went through and I was sexually, verbally and physically abused. Yeah. So it was very it was very hard on me and it got to the point where it affected um you know, it affected my, you know, like my jobs and everything. And so basically from there, um, I decided to go to a, a, you know, a doctor Mm -hmm. because at that point I was talking to my grandmother and I told her, I was just like, you know, I, something, there's something wrong with me and I just don't know it. Like I felt like my mind was expanding. Mm -hmm. Like it was just, it was just very, a very surreal feeling and just very, just, it was just a lot. It was really Mm -hmm. a lot. And so me dealing with that, um, I talked to my grandmother, and that was the first time I ever went into a psychiatric ward because at that point, I was suicidal. Mm. So um, I went there, and then from there, that's when I got my my therapist. Mm-hmm. And it's been a journey of just really connecting with therapists, different therapists, and finding mm-hmm. one that's right for me. And so that's how I found my therapist. And that's how I decided, you know, I was like, I didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't have someone to really tell me, you know, it's okay um, you know, take care of your mental health. I had a few friends, but mm-hmm. as far as like my family and that really that, that strong core, mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided I wanted to be there for other people when I became better. Mm-hmm. When I became better, when I when I got to the point where, you know, because I had a failed marriage as well, mm-hmm. you know, just dealing with all of that and just, um, it just really took a toll on me. But I said, I want to reach out to other people as well because I did not have that help. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it sounds like you really transformed your story to think about what you needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to really be that person that can be supportive, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. give advice, direction, yeah. and normalize um, that you should have a response to all the trauma that you had experienced and that it makes sense that your mind and body would have a reaction in yeah. that way. I'm, I'm glad that you are so open about your story. I think in our community, right, that it's not so openly talked about 
feeling the signs and symptoms of depression in particular. Um, so you were kind of tapping into it, but how did depression look on you? Depression looks for me was very, I was very withdrawn. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everyone knows me to be my happy-go-lucky self. Mm -hmm. But for me, depression looked like withdrawn. I wasn't, I was sleeping all the time. And if I wasn't mm -hmm. sleeping, I was up all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't shower, you know, it really affected my, my, um, my hygiene. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I would just... It was just so hard. It was just so hard. Like I can't even I can't even sometimes I feel like I can't describe it. It was just a feeling. Yeah. A feeling of just of, of a void. Mm -hmm. You know, a feeling of a void, a feeling of not feeling enough, not being enough, not doing enough, feeling like pressure, especially mm -hmm. pressure from like different family members about what I'm gonna do. Because at that point I I didn't have a job and I haven't had a job in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so because my my different diagnoses were that bad wow. and it, more diagnosis came as I got older mm -hmm. because the trauma was pushing itself out in different ways. Mm -hmm. So it really looked like a, a lot for me. It looked like just a lot of withdrawing from social activities, um, hygiene, um, sleeping, just, you know, sad, crying all the time, mm -hmm. crying spells. Um, suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was so much. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing that you were getting support through this process. Um, so I'm wondering too, who initially gave you any diagnosis? Did you agree with them? How did you find the right person to be your therapist? I'm even curious about getting the help. So basically how that happened was I went to more than one therapist and I finally found a therapist when I was about, I would say, um, 21 that mm. was, that really helped to diagnose me. Mm. Um, she, at that point, she said that, you know, she would ask me some questions. And so the questions that she would ask me was, what do you do? What's your day to day like for you? Mm -hmm. And so I would tell her, I'm like, you know, I would stay up all night or I would stay up for days mm. and she said that's not normal you know you have to go to sleep and I'm like I would get flight of ideas mm. and I was also getting angry sometimes and then I would get sad so it was like rapid cycling so mm. that's when they had diagnosed me with bipolar disorder and I would have mixed episodes mm. and then also I would have very bad judgment with my money Really? Yes. So a lot of spending. A lot of spending. A lot of spending. Mm -hmm. That helped me feel good, but I didn't know that that was a coping mechanism and a and a a symptom mm -hmm. of the bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I just thought that 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 was my normal for me, but to her, she said that that's not normal. And there was other things that we talked about as well, but those were like the main core of it: to staying up all night, the creativity, feelings, feeling you know just your mood changing so much and everything. So she said that you, she was like, I want to diagnose you with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you felt like that was a fitting diagnosis? When I did more research, when mm -hmm. I went to the library and got books on it, I, I was like, this is me. Mm -hmm. This is me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The anger, the irritability, the different mood changes and everything. I said, that's me. Mm -hmm. So then what has treatment looked like for you in terms of treatment for bipolar disorder? Treatment for me is taking my medication every day. Mm. There are certain medicines that I take um, that helps me, like the mood stabilizer, the antidepressant, um, 
different things like that. And it just really helps me to calm down. I also have anxiety, so I take anxiety medication Mm -hmm. as well. So taking all those things and really being aware, trying to really practice self-awareness. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we do things when we're sick and we don't, you know, we don't realize that we're doing that. We're acting that way. So I try to take a step back from myself and realize, well, what did I just do? And journaling really helps me because journaling Mm -hmm. makes me read back on what I did and makes me more Mm self-aware. So I would say that really helps. Journaling is Journaling has been a big part of my life. I don't know where I would be without my journal. So how did you start journaling? I know um, I didn't journal that much as a kid. Uh And I wish I did Uh to go back and look and review things. How did did journaling become a part of your self-care or reflection? Well, I I read a book called The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm Mm-hmm. And also this book about this girl who was in this um, war-torn country, mm-hmm. and she had a journal. And I just appreciated their their candor, mm-hmm. their you know their realness, their their thought processes, and mm-hmm. it really helped them. And in the book, they would say that this is helping me. So I wanted mm-hmm. to be that person. I really wanted to connect with myself because I had a lot of internal dialogue, and I didn't know how to to organize it and you know put it in a stream where I could deal with it. So in order for me to really get all this script scribble that was going on in my brain in a straight line, I decided that I wanted to journal. Mm-hmm. And that really, really helped. And my aunt gave me my first journal when I was about, I would say, 11 or so. Thanks, auntie. Look at yeah. that. Yeah, so even for your journaling process, do you, like, wake up and journal? Is it the last thing you do before you go to bed? Do you journal when you feel motivated, like something just happened? When do you usually journal? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. My journal is is everything. Um, I also have this six minute journal. It's mm-hmm. called the six minute journal, mm-hmm. and it helps you to practice gratitude. What are the three mm-hmm. things you're grateful for in the morning? It's a really good journal. I need to get that. Yeah, my friend got it for me. Well, mm-hmm. she pointed me towards it, and so um, I bought it, and it was just really good with just helping me stay grounded, helping me stay grateful, helping me stay. Um, aware of what I'm doing. It gives you thought, thought-provoking thought questions about, well, what would you do five years from now? Mm. Or what would you say to your younger self if you only had 30 seconds? It's really, it's a really good journal. I would suggest uh-huh. you get it. Okay. Yes. All right. That's the challenge. I got to find this journal, maybe give it even to some of my clients too. It sounds like it could be beneficial. Hmm. Well, and even thinking about the self-care journey you've been on, um, I'm wondering about your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think a lot of black women might neglect their own mental health? Because black women wear so many hats, mm-hmm. you know? I, I've learned and I've seen that with my grandmother, you mm-hmm. know, the lack of the family dynamics or just the lack of male roles. They become what they're supposed to become we're not supposed to but they become what they have to become in that moment and so therefore because of that they neglect their mental health because Mm -hmm. they're always the ones pushing towards other people they have to be all things to everyone that they forget about themselves you know you have big mama you know you know big mama (laughs) grandma big mama or whatever and she's she's doing so much for the family but who's checking on who's checking on her Mm -hmm. Who's checking on her? You know, who's who's really being there for her when she's doing everything for everybody? But what what happens when she goes she goes to bed? What happened when she goes to bed? What happened when she's when she's alone? How does she feel? You know, and so that's how I feel like black women 
and just women in general, they neglect their they neglect their mm-hmm. mental health because they're so worried about other people and they have to mm-hmm. be there for them for other people. So that's yeah. what I that's how I feel personally. Yeah, but you're really identifying the weight mm-hmm. um, and stress that Black women have to go through in terms of caring for their families that we sometimes neglect our own needs. Yeah, I've been trying to figure this out, um, how black women can get mental health services or support. And I've been finding different studies that they're even doing on like the African continent where they have, thinking about Big Mama, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have techniques of grandmothers doing therapy. Mm. So in like, I think certain places like Kenya, Rwanda, and Uganda, they, they're trying different techniques where mm-hmm. they train grandmothers about depression. And so there's like this bench that anybody in the village can come and talk to them if they're feeling depressed. And somehow these grandmothers are doing better than the mental health like professionals because wow. they're, they're loving on people real hard. But now you have me thinking, well, what are the grandmothers doing now? Right. To address all the heaviness of, of um, the family and the neighborhood and community mm-hmm. um, to really let go. And I think that's why I like the salon setting, too, because mm-hmm. in that space, that's when grandmothers get to be taken care of. Exactly. Like, with exactly. their little rollers or yes. things like that. <laughs> that they try out their you know new looks. And uh-huh. it's an opportunity for them to be bathed and cleansed mm-hmm. um, by someone else and kind of not having to be responsible for their own um, grooming mm-hmm. in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm even struck by the things that you were saying earlier that a big indication or sign that something was being flared up in your mood was your own grooming. Mm-hmm. That you, you notice differences in your hygiene or I'm wondering too, did you notice any differences in your hair? Mm-hmm. When you were like navigating or experiencing um, a flare up or an episode, um, whether on the manic side or the depressive side, did your hair change or look different? Or I didn't do it. Mm. That's what that's what changed. Like as as a person that did did their hair and would try to do their hair and just, you know, that's your self love. That's your big symbol of expressing yourself. I wouldn't do it. Mm. It would just be on my head. Mm. <laughs> it would just be on my head. And when I would, when I would feel better, that's when I would take care of my hair. Mm. Or when I was trying to push myself out of those episodes, that's when I would do my hair. Mm-hmm. So wait, are you saying that doing your hair would actually pull you out? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because it's it, it would direct my mind to me. It would direct my mind to me. It would direct my mind to, okay, a sense of control, you know, mm-hmm. a sense of accomplishment after my hair is done. That's why I say curls and mental health, you know. Mm-hmm. It really helps you just wrap it all together in a nice little bow. You know, you might not feel good. But you look good, and then if you look good, that might in turn, you know, make you start to feel good. Because you're looking at yourself, and you're like, I did this to my hair. I look nice. You know, my world might be out of control, but I have control over my hair. I have control over my outward appearance. I can can wash my hair. I can bathe. I can do that. Just trying to push myself out of it. That's Mm -hmm. what I would say to myself. And it works. It works for me. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so even thinking about the role of self-care and hair. Um, I'm so mindful that you transformed into a beauty influencer then. How did that process look? How did, did you just one day put your phone up and start <laughs> taking pictures of your hair? How did that look or work? 
Well, my friends, they really appreciated my hair and my mm-hmm. hairstyle. And they were like, how'd you get your hair like that? Mm-hmm. You know? And then I had one friend, she had this blonde, glorious afro. And I was just like, you know, I just I just want your hair so bad. It was so beautiful and thick and just mm-hmm. full and kinky. And it was just beautiful. And so um, I would try to emulate that because of her confidence. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, other people saw that. They saw that confidence in me. And therefore, they wanted to do, they wanted to emulate that as well. So they would ask me, they were like, you know, do you have a blog? Do you have a, a YouTube? Do you have an Instagram? <laughs> and I would say no. But they were like, you should do it. You mm-hmm. should do it because you're really good at what you do. And so I was like, okay, I want to be that inspiration. And also that was an outlet for me as well when I was going through my problems. That was an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. So that's how it became That's how it became the whole beauty influencer um, job for me because mm-hmm. it, was, it, was really, it was really about two things. It was about inspiring other people and inspiring myself through mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love. Yeah, and so what's, what's some of the feedback that you've gotten from your followers related to your hair and beauty and work everything everything positive Mm -hmm. i haven't had anyone say anything you know it's just so it's so rewarding to to get that from people that you know you've helped me even with the whole sharing my story on my platform Mm -hmm. i shared my um suicide attempt story Mm -hmm. i shared that and that that was really, I mean, the outpour of love and support that I got from that. It's been, you're inspiring me. You're helping me. You stopped me from doing this. You stopped me from doing that. You know, it's just, it's it's so positive. Like, I can't, it's just all around positive, and I love it. It just makes me feel so fulfilled. It makes me feel like that, and, you know, that's when I knew I was work, walking in my truth. When I was, when I'm doing this, what I'm doing now. Yeah. yeah this, it sounds like it was, it's really affirming. And that you are fulfilling your purpose and mission in that way to influence people in this way. So I'm mindful that there are so many different beauty influencers, but not as many mental health influencers, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I'm mm-hmm. always trying to like do a hashtag of mental health influencer, but I don't actually see it. That's not uh, the content that's necessarily out there. I'm wondering, how do you think we can better organize um, and I guess beauty influencers to set an agenda about mental health. How do you think we can get the people who do have this big platform to share mental health messages? I feel like it starts with you. Mm-hmm. The more that you advocate for it, the more that they're going to see and the more that they're going to see that people are responding to it. Because with our generation, it's become less and less of a taboo subject. And I feel like the more you push it, the more you... The more you advocate, the more you reach out to other people. I mean, even even just reaching out to influencers and asking them to collaborate with you to do a collaboration mm-hmm. or just something along the lines of mental health or something for the community. I feel like the more that, you know, you take action, I feel like the more it's going to be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel like you can do it. I feel like it becomes it becomes something that you that you do with action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you telling me I need to set something up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> like it starts with you. I'm like, wait, should I be the one doing this? I had to really pause. Like, is she talking to me? Um, so it sounds like that there really needs to be shared space and yes. a shared agenda yes. to um, really promote the concept of what what mental health is. Yes. This is hard though, cause I I I got a question the other day on a panel about what I do for my own mental health, and it was really challenging for me. I could tell everybody else what to do for theirs, mm-hmm. but really putting um, myself or other 
professionals out there, I think is actually something that's needed. Um, I'm thinking, okay, now in my head, I'm planning an event. But in terms of really getting these people who have followers and space to share their stories about how they're taking care of their mental health or some of the challenges, because mm-hmm. um, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. This is not easy work. It's terms, not. Yeah. It's Cause, not. Because what do you feel like is something, in addition to journaling, that people can do on a daily or weekly basis to take care of their mental health? Exercise, walking, promoting a healthy conversation, family dynamics, um, becoming people that are open, more mm-hmm. open in little ways. They don't have to share it to everyone, but there's always a person in the family that they're close to, mm-hmm. and they can start they can start the conversation there and work their way outward. Mm-hmm. That's what that's how I feel that they could do that, and just educating themselves. You know, if they can go to classes, if they can go to the library and and look up things, or if they can go online and look up different things of. Um, just different subjects about mental health and everything. I feel like the more they educate themselves and the more they push the conversation within the family, I feel like that that would spread out to everyone else because mm-hmm. it starts with the family first. Mm-hmm. Okay, there it is. Yeah, to think about how critical our families are for our mental health. Yeah. Um, in terms of sometimes they're the ones that trigger some concerns, but they're also the ones that can support us through the process. Yes. Um, and can really invest in us and communicate. Because my parents, my parents, um, when I finally opened up to them and they realized the gravity of the situation with my mental health, they started becoming more supportive mm-hmm. once they knew what was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I put, I would push the conversation and my mom was just very, very, um, very cooperative. Mm-hmm. She was very cooperative with what I was doing. And so that became something that was really, you know, it was a pivotal moment for me. It was a pivotal mm-hmm. moment for me to have someone in my family that really just supported me and was down for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it sounds like it was so important for her to really hear you and see you um, with the things that had come up and for her to acknowledge and, you know, support you through that process. Um, it sounds like a big piece of, I guess, a big threat to mental health sometimes is family secrets. Yes. Yes. And kind of working through how to intentionally share in a way that doesn't destroy the family at all. I don't know how to even say that, but really addresses like some of the shame. Yes. I think that comes up. um, Shame is a very big subject and feeling in therapy that we don't recognize that that why we keep the secret is to keep the shame and kind of the shame goes away once. That was something I went through. That was something I definitely went through when I was opening up to my family, when I was opening up to my therapist. Mm -hmm. But it became something that I tried to break the cycle of. Mm -hmm. And so, like how you were saying about it, it's family shame. But when you get to that person and they they decide enough is enough, Mm -hmm. you want to end it with you. So that's what I decided to do. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful to my family and just to different people, Mm -hmm. you know. So it, it changed the family dynamics a little bit, and I was happy for that. Yeah, so I guess for, for the last question I want to ask is, what do you recommend to the people who are listening right now about, I guess, mental health? What, what are your recommendations for them seeking out support? I would say NAMI is a good, mm-hmm. is a great, is a great uh, 
platform, mm. the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Mm. They have so many free resources that you can do, so many classes, so many um, papers that they hand out that tells you where, where, where you can go, what you can do, how to start it within your community, how to become an advocate yourself. Mm -hmm. They have people that do presentations online about their personal their personal struggle with mental illness. It's so much that you can do just with NAMI. And also I would say that you can just, just besides journaling, besides NAMI, um, just really be invested in your mental health. Mm -hmm. You have to really push yourself mm -hmm. because there's a part of us that even though we're dealing with mental illness, there's a part of us that it, we have that willpower and we have to decide, you know, if we're going to push past it, if we're going to, if we're going to really reach inside of ourselves and ask yourself, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And when you ask yourself that, what kind of life do I want? Um, despite my illness, despite what I'm going through, despite living with the mental illness, what do I want? you have to ask yourself that question and once you start asking yourself that question then you can start coming up with the with the solutions and everything with the NAMI with the journaling mm -hmm. with um, being invested with your mental health taking your medication please take your medication mm -hmm. um, therapy and so much there's I feel like I'm not giving it is due justice but if you could just do those things you could just start with those things then yeah. that'll really help you that'll really help you and exercising yeah. as well yeah, yeah, there are so many things that we can do for our mental health. It, it really is. Like. Well, Kyra, this this was just so amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining me on my show. Uh, I can see why so many people follow you online in terms of the messages and the self-reflection that you offer. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. So how can listeners get in contact with you or keep up to date with your latest projects? So on Instagram, my name is Coily K C O. I-L-Y-K-A-Y-E. That's Coily K. And on Facebook, it's Coily K. And then also on my YouTube, it's Coily K. So across the board, it's Coily K spelled the same way. Okay. And that's how they can reach me okay. and just keep up with my projects and everything. Nice. Yeah, and as always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org, and Instagram handle, at psychotherapy. And of course, if you love this podcast and... You really connected to the messages that Kyra shared today and um, the tips. Please consider sharing it um, with someone who you feel may really benefit from hearing her story. And in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>